A tree is blown down, blocking your doorway. Storm damage puts a hole in your roof. Several windows have been broken from flying debris. Would you have what you need in your preps to start your recovery? We'll talk about that when we come back. Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Well, hello and welcome to the podcast. And do we have a story to tell you about recovering from damage? Yes, we had storm damage but not nearly like what we're going to be talking about. Well, we're really not sure it was storm damage. We're not sure how it got there, but bottom line, we had a leak in a back bedroom closet. And so Saturday, I got up on the roof, and we found a four-inch hole in the roof. Hole, H-O-L-E, in the roof. And you could see the insulation. You could see down to the insulation. And some of the insulation had come out of the hole. Now, it was only like a foot or a foot and a half from the roof to the insulation. Mm -hmm. This was out on the edge of the roof. And so I don't know if some squirrel decided to go in there and bring some insulation out or... Well, we've had a lot of wind and it's very plausible that we could have had a random one of those limbs. I've been picking up limbs all over the backyard and some of them are pretty sizable. Now, we did go to Lowe's and buy a new can of roofing tar because what I have out there had been left over from my dad's and he's been deceased over 20 years so it was kind of yucky stuff and I had not had a need for it since then so we did buy a new can of that but we had some roofing shingles Mm -hmm. we had some extra and we always keep a few roofing shingles you can always replace a missing shingle or two with that it's not hard to do And so we had our ladders, and we just got up on the roof, and we fixed the hole. And we found a couple of other spots where nails were beginning to work loose or work through the roofing in some other areas. So we went ahead and patched those areas as well. But it brought up the question of what do we need or do we have the things that we need in order to be able to begin recovery efforts immediately? Well, you know, we were thinking about the tornadoes that have struck both Louisiana and Texas in the last, oh, I say 10 to 11 days. It's been pretty active weather. Sadly, it's been some deadly storms. And uh, I think some of you may have seen the footage of the 16-year-old kid in the red truck, and he was driving away from the tornado, but it got close. And it flipped his truck over and it flipped him back up. So we're seeing all kinds of amazing footage, but, you know, the the neighborhoods are torn down to the ground mm-hmm. and it just looks like a bomb went off and they said one of these tornadoes in the Araby area of Louisiana it cut a 2 mile swath i mean that's that's a broad amount of damage in several storms i think they got up to ef3 and so that's going to tear your house up that's a bug out situation well let's talk about our sponsors for this episode Yes, one of our sponsors is ProLine Digital Group. They are responsible for custom logo design, custom website building. You know, they've been building websites for you and me for a good long while. They also do app designs and app building. They do web hosting, and they do digital lead generation. They can send qualified leads to you. 
This would be customers in your area who are looking for your services. For example, are you a landscaper? Do you have an antique shop? Are you an HVAC professional? Are you an attorney? Whatever your business, they can get you leads, and that would be ProLine Digital Group. Our second sponsor is Jim Curtis Knives, custom knives that are as beautiful as they are functional. Now, there are two ways to own a Jim Curtis knife. One, you can design it yourself, design your blade shape, select your steel, select your handle material, select your sheath, whether it's leather or kydex, and Jim will build it. Guarantee you will love it. You can also select a knife that Jim's already built, And he tries to keep some on hand for those that don't want to wait, but honestly, they go pretty quickly. Now, every Jim Curtis knife comes with a lifetime guarantee with lifetime sharpening and two Band-Aids. And yes, they really are that sharp. So check out Jim Curtis knives on Facebook or click on the link in the show notes on our website. So what are the items that we need to have on hand for immediate recovery after a disaster? Before we go down that road, let's talk about understanding our own limitations and understand that we need to learn to operate any equipment just as we would any other prepper gear. Part of this has to do with your own personal knowledge and your own personal abilities. We don't expect a 97-year-old person to be out there running a chainsaw, although I've known some that probably could, but we want you to learn to operate any piece of equipment that we're talking about here today, and also really look at your own abilities when it comes to operating in the recovery mode after some type of disaster. Oh, absolutely. I think you need to leave a lot to the professionals also that will come in and can help with some of the hauling away of the wreckage and the damage, that sort of thing. I do agree with that. Like, for example, I've personally never operated a a regular standard chainsaw, and I wouldn't pick this opportunity to try to learn. Mm -hmm. This is not the time to learn. This is the time to use the things that you know and step out of the way of the professionals that can come in and do other things. But there are still things that all of us can do when it comes to doing our own recovery. And we may have some, my sister was hit in one of the Nashville tornadoes and dad and I went up and we were running chainsaws. And we had a very large tree down that we were really concerned about how we were going to handle that tree. It was much larger than either chainsaw we had. And then there were two young guys. They were in their early 20s. And they came around the corner, both of them carrying chainsaws. One with a chainsaw looked like it was the size of a Volkswagen motor. Oh, my. And asked if we needed some help chopping that thing up. And Dad and I looked at each other, and we're smart enough to know just get out of their way and let them do what they did. And they cut that huge tree up, and then we drug it out to where it was being picked up to be hauled off. But there's some things that we do need to do if we're going to be a part of this, and one of those is to have some personal protective equipment. Well, yeah, something like heavy work gloves, because once you start pulling limbs and branches and broken materials, your hands are going to get torn up pretty quick. And this isn't just ladies' hands. This is men, too. Yeah, you can reach down and grab something, and there be a nail hidden on the other side of mm-hmm. it. That or will broken bark or something. Any, any kind of thing. You also need some type of sturdy boots. This is not the time to be wearing your flip-flops working out in the yard, because you could be walking on nails and broken glass. 
And watch where you step. You can still step on a nail. Remember, in a tornado situation, all of these building materials are upended and they're exposed. And, you know, you you may be overwhelmed at what you're seeing that could have very well been in your house. And it may not be debris from your house. It may be from down the street. Yeah, exactly. Also, you need eye protection. Now, what would be a good idea for that? Well, safety glasses or a face shield. Uh, I have an arborist helmet that has a face shield on it that's made of screen that I use when I'm running chainsaws. And it's very comfortable to be wearing if I'm pulling limbs. And, you know, you pull a limb that's stuck in some things, and you wind up getting slapped in the face with a, another limb. Mm-hmm. Also, remember to put on some sunscreen and some insect repellent. Here we are into the spring, and pretty soon it'll be the early summer temperatures, and the bugs and the bees are already out. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the hot sun. And depending on where you are, you know, there's some areas in Florida and Louisiana that have mosquitoes the size of crows. Well, they say that the mosquito is Florida state bird. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that before, and I think it's true. Yeah, they do have some big ones down there. Now, you're going to need some tools. You will need some just and basic tools. Some tools to have on hand. And what we're talking about here is having these things on hand so you don't have to go scrounging them up in time of need. And some of the tools are hammer and nails. It's always handy to have hammer and nails around. Right. Also, a good sturdy ladder. Yeah, uh, one that's tall enough to get on your roof. Mm-hmm. And also a utility knife. What is a utility knife exactly? Well, that's like a razor blade knife. That's is it like a box cutter? Like a thing? box cutter. Okay. And that, that's what I used yesterday to cut the roofing shingles. And I use it for a lot of things. It's a folding box cutter is what it is. Okay. And there's some other supplies that would be very helpful after the damage of a storm. And that would be to have some tarps. Yeah, you can pick these up cheap. And the cheap ones do well if you're looking at short-term covering of a roof for storm damage to keep the water from coming in. And you need some furring strips if you're going to put it up for a little bit longer time. And that's just a one-by-two wood strip. And you can either put that at the end of the tarp or you can roll the end of the tarp over that. I'm not sure how I'm trying to explain this. You just like like roll like burrito style just to cover up the wood. burrito style, roll it one time and Mm -hmm. nail through the tarp, the wood, the tarp, and the end of the roof. That pulls a little tension on it. it, And it keeps it from being pulled away uh, with some other wind. You want this as taut as you can get it. Something else that's great to have is a roll of plastic. Now, what do you mean? You're not talking about a kitchen type of plastic roll. No, some heavy-duty visqueen or something like that. Just a, a roll of plastic that you can get at the home stores, the home improvement stores, and have a roll of some of that. You may be needing to cut some off to cover windows that have been broken. You may need to use it for any number of things. You could probably even find some salvageable items that didn't get broken in your house, and you can roll them up in some of that plastic. Yeah, or cover it up. If you have water coming in through the roof, you may need something to cover some of the interior materials. And one of the things you can do is get a heavy-duty paint plastic Drop cloth? Drop cloth from the paint department at any of the home improvement stores, and those are inexpensive. You can also use a tarp for some of this type stuff as well. But I have cut up some of those 
uh, drop cloths, the plastic drop cloths, the heavier, thicker ones, not the bread wrapper type, but a little bit heavier than that, and use it for other things. And you could also keep some roofing tar. I think it was $11 a gallon, and a gallon of that stuff goes a long way. It did. I mean, you were pretty generous with it and still had quite a bit left over. Yeah, I used about a pint, pint and a half out of the can. So we have enough to last us for quite a long time. In the line of heavier equipment, we were talking about chainsaws for a moment, but you're quite an expert with chainsaws. You've used many different kinds over the many different years. So talk to us a little bit about what we need in the terms of a chainsaw. That partially depends on what you plan to do with it. I've run anything from a 10-inch Poland to a custom-built 36-inch bar on a very large chainsaw motor. And I've got that little handheld chainsaw. And you bought a little 4-inch chainsaw. And that, that thing comes in handy when you're cutting oh, limbs. it's the dude. But my dad had a 10-inch Poland, and that served his purposes. But he wasn't trying to cut down trees or even cut up trees that might have been down on his property. But I have generally kept an 18-inch. I started with a 16-inch saw. My first saw that I owned was a 16-inch. And I've had 18s and 22s. And I keep a 18 gas-powered saw, and that's my heavy-duty saw. Now, some of the things that you need to keep with that is tools to operate that saw. They make a chainsaw tool that will fit everything on that saw that you need to do in the field. Mm. You can take the bar off. You can do work with the chain. You can change the spark plug. And it's just an interesting little tool, and it drops down in the pocket of my Kevlar chaps that I wear when I'm running that chainsaw. You're going to need some two-cycle oil, and be sure you have a jug of bar oil if you run a saw without bar oil it will burn up the blade it'll burn up the bar or it'll burn up the chain and it'll burn up the bar and it'll lock up and you're not going to cut any more today you're going to need to have some files for sharpening that saw and those files are graded in size for the particular cutting tooth on your saw so make sure you have the right one it's good to have an extra chain and an extra bar there. And if you treat it right, then that bar should last you a long time. But there are times that bars do get bent. There are times that chains do get broken. And it's good to have an extra chain and an extra bar just in case. I have one of each in the case with that saw. Now, I've gone a little different direction here this last year. I've gotten tired of buying consumer-grade yard tools, gas-powered, that last two or three years, and then they just quit operating because of the carburetor, even though I'll drain them down, run them dry, even though I put stable in my gas. It's just after three or four years, those things just don't want to start anymore. Well, that's not good. No, it's not. It's very frustrating. So I've gone to electric. Ah, modern man. I've gone to an electric 80-volt chainsaw. I also have an 80-volt blower, an 80-volt string trimmer. And so I do all of our edging. I do all of our weed eating. I do all of our leaf blowing. I do all of our blowing off the walks afterwards with an electric-powered tool. And I've bought that 
electric chainsaw, and I used it this past weekend, and it works very well. Yeah, I were real tickled with it. And so the battery runs for a good 30 minutes on each battery, and I have two batteries, and it will charge almost as fast as I can use it. So it'll charge a new battery in about 30 minutes, and so there's no starting problems with the electrics. That's fantastic. But now you do still need to keep chain oil and you need to have a way to recharge batteries. So if you're in a power down situation, you're going to need something like a generator or an inverter on your automobile to be able to do that. Yeah, I've seen some folks, in fact, we've done this before, too, where we've actually powered tools off of our car battery. And I'll bet there's a lot of people out there that have never thought about that, did not know you could do that. Take just a minute and talk about how you can power things off of the car battery. Well, we were using some battery-operated power tools. And we knew we were going through multiple batteries and would be going through multiple batteries. And so we took an inverter that just alligator clip to the battery. The car battery. The car battery. Mm -hmm. And so we opened the hood and we clipped it to the battery and we plugged into that. What that did is it converted the 12-volt DC to 120-volt AC. And right, the inverter actually has a plug head. Yes, it's just a power Like a regular household plug. And so we were able to plug into that. And we would plug in several chargers and let those things charge. So when we ran out of a battery, we just went and swapped them out. And so four batteries kept two tools running pretty well. Pretty smart. I learned something about recharging that way. It's the same way as running anything else off of a car battery. You use that inverter and you can run, uh, well, we've used the inverter to run my CPAP. Mm-hmm. We have, we sure did. <laughs> Yep. I yeah, if we can't power the CPAP, she's going to yeah. probably let me stay up. You're going to sleep night. in a different county. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you're going to be running chainsaws, plastic wedges are a very, very good thing to have, even if you don't plan on felling trees. Now, they're very good, very necessary. When you're felling trees, you can cut your notch and then start cutting on the backside of that notch. And then you can put a wedge in there, and as you drive it in, it tends to force that tree the direction you want it to go. But they're very handy when it comes to unbinding a chain that you've gotten stuck in a tree you're cutting Mm -hmm. that's laying horizontal. Have you had that happen to you? Oh, many times. You just saw one right along, and then all of a sudden, Yeah, I'm not paying attention. If you really look at it and watch... You know which way the stress is on that thing, and you know whether to cut it from the top or cut it from the bottom. And sometimes it'll just fool you, and you just know you need to cut it from the top, and it really wanted to be cut from the bottom. And so we would take those things, and we'd cut down in so far, and then we'd stick that wedge in there and kept a hammer in our pocket as well just to be able to hit that wedge and drive it a little further down. And so you could use that to get your saw unstuck. Well, that's smart. Yeah. I had never actually seen you use a plastic wedge, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, just keep one around when you know you're going to be doing heavy chainsaw work. I keep them in my chainsaw box. That's just a great place to keep them. What about a handsaw? Well, a handsaw works. It's a lot of work, but it works. And there are times that just a handsaw is about the only thing that's really going to get the job done. Hmm. Okay. You can work it slow. You can work it fast. It's easy to operate. 
And it's just a, a good thing to have. I saw a guy one time that was planning to cut up an entire tree with a handsaw. And we jumped in and helped him out with some chainsaws and got him out of the woods on that. <laughs> He'd still be cutting today, wouldn't he? He'd still be cutting today, <laughs> and that was probably 10 years ago. But a handsaw is a good thing to have around. And honestly, if I have a small limb or something to cut, I'll just grab a handsaw rather than pulling out a chainsaw. You know, even some of those limb loppers is mm-hmm. a good tool to have as well. Right. And and sometimes you need to work very slowly to work around where a tree has fractured a roof or whether it has poked a hole in that roof and you just want to work slow. So be careful with that. Now, one other piece of equipment that you may want to keep is a hacksaw. And a hacksaw is not usually thought of as a disaster relief tool. But it depends on what you're doing there. If you are trying to clear, almost demolish an already destroyed area of a building, you may find yourself where you need to cut some water pipes or cut some copper pipes. Or PVC. And it will Mm -hmm. cut PVC. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's just not a bad thing to have in your arsenal of tools. Now, hopefully you're not going to need to do this But things do happen. As Krista says, stuff happens, so we need to be prepared. And having the tools to work with is a good thing to do. Now, this is once you've gotten your food and water, you may want to look at adding some of these tools. And maybe you're the other way. Maybe you've got all these tools, and it's time to start adding food and water. So Mm -hmm. each of us, you know, prepping is personal, and we start where we are, and we use what we have to work with. And we try to prepare for whatever may come. What else you got for tonight? Well, I think that just about covers it as far as trying to recoup after a storm damage. Or even just in our case, we just had a hole knocked in the roof. We're going to get a new roof eventually this year. So we did a quick patch job, but definitely because we did have water dripping in all Mm -hmm. over. And I was really delighted to see that we did have extra shingles. So for those of you out there that are having roofs put onto your home of whatever material it is, make sure that you keep some extra. You just never know when you're going to need another piece of that because stuff can happen to your roof. you got to stay prepared. It's not exactly the same color as our roof. This was a leftover bundle from when we roofed Mother's house the last time. Oh, is it? Okay. So I always like to have one bundle left so that we've got patching material if we need it. Mm -hmm. So when she moved, we loaded it up and brought it up here, and I don't even think you knew that we had it out there. Actually, I did because I think I'm the one that actually packed it up. I remember those shingles now because I handled those shingles onto the trailer that we brought up here. So I had just kind of forgotten about them, but then... I had seen that you had brought those out. So that was not only money saved, but time as well. If we'd had to wait to call, you know, a roofing professional, we might still be waiting because they're all contracting out right now. Oh, yeah. There's there's a lot of the need for that going on right now. All right. Well, folks, we've enjoyed you being with us tonight, and we hope to see you tomorrow. We hope you have enjoyed today's episode. We would appreciate it if you would share Practical Prepping Podcast with your friends, family, and your social media. The direct link is in the show notes. And as always, stuff happens. Stay prepared.